The COVID-19 pandemic is an unprecedented global event that may forever change the way our societies interact and operate with each other. The court system in Canada is no different as the various emergency health measures and province-wide closures have forced litigators to become more innovative on how they can move matters forward. In today's podcast, we look at how extraordinary circumstances and how they're rapidly changing court procedures and forcing the legal community to look at innovative ways of moving disputes towards a resolution. This podcast is brought to you by Dentons, the world's largest law firm with a global team that builds agile, tailored solutions to meet the local, national, and global needs of private and public clients of any size in 183 locations serving 75 countries. Please note that anything discussed or said on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. Welcome everyone to an Insights podcast by Dentons. I'm your host, Chris Young, and today I wanted to talk about the daily updates from courts, tribunals, and law societies in response to the global pandemic and how it's affecting litigators and their practices. Joining me today from the Dentons Calgary office is partner Kelly Osaka and senior associate Christy Lee, both of whom are members of the Litigation and Dispute Resolution Group. Welcome both of you and thank you for joining the podcast. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having us. Hi, Chris. So one of the major changes to litigation that we've seen over the last few weeks since the emergency health mandates were put in place is the ability to work remotely. Christy, what are some examples of, ex- of successes we've seen so far for the courts adapting to this new reality? So, Chris, I think that there have been a number of successes uh, in the way that our courts have promoted social distancing measures. Uh, while continuing to offer access to the legal system in the courts, um, especially when you consider really how quickly all of this has evolved and how within a matter of weeks, uh, courts and practitioners have completely adopted and adapted uh, normal practices. And so one of the ways and one of the biggest ways in which courts have promoted social distancing is to adjourning the vast majority of matters. And so the Alberta Court of Queen's Bench has adjourned all civil matters that are scheduled for hearing between March 16th, 2020 and May 1st, 2020, unless otherwise directed. And those matters are being adjourned sine die, um, basically meaning they're being adjourned without an alternate date set for the time being. Uh, The Court of Queen's Bench is continuing to hear emergency and urgent matters, and the court's given a bit of direction on some examples of what those emergency or urgent matters might look like. So in the context of civil litigation, uh, emergencies might be things like injunctions or even quarantine orders. Uh, Urgent matters would be things like time-sensitive commercial matters where there's going to be significant financial consequences if there's no judicial hearing. The court's also been um, facilitating social distancing by testing out virtual hearing capabilities. So I think last week was the first time a sentencing hearing was conducted remotely uh, with only a judge and clerk in the courtroom. So that's being rolled out. Um, Very similar measures are also being taken in other provinces uh, like Ontario, where Ontario is permitting hearings to be conducted in writing, by teleconference or by video conference. Ontario's Superior Court of Justice, for example, has also suspended its regular operations, effective March 17, 2020. Uh, Up until recently, they were also only hearing urgent matters, uh, but starting the week of April 6th, they're also hearing uh, select non-urgent matters. 
And then um, in terms of another uh, success at promoting social distancing, council can also submit signed uh, consent orders uh, for processing through Masters and Justice Chambers through email. This was something that was previously um, typically requiring an in-person attendance. And then um, law societies in Alberta and Ontario have also made accommodations to have affidavits commissioned uh, virtually now. And um, this would be available in circumstances where it's not possible or it's medically unsafe for an affiant to attend before a commissioner. So there's pretty specific rules about how affidavits need to be commissioned. Uh, and those rules are on, uh, or those directions are on the court website at albertacourts.ca. Uh, but very broadly speaking, um, they'll involve uh, the commissioner and the deponent um, on a video conference with the affidavit in a hard copy in front of them, both reviewing and initialing each page, and then the commissioner witnessing uh, the deponent uh, sign that affidavit in front of them, and then uh, the deponent sending a copy of that affidavit electronically to the commissioner. So, of course, with successes and with the situation changing almost daily, Kelly, are there, what are some challenges the courts have faced so far? Sure. And, you know, Christy is right. The courts have responded quite quickly to uh, these challenging times and um, done so in a successful way. I think when we think of challenges, we have to think about it from a court resource perspective, first of all. If we're offering video hearings, audio hearings, or um, a court such as the Court of Queen's Bench in Alberta. It requires still for there to be a court reporter and some sort of recording device um, for each and every one of those hearings. And that comes back to uh, a limited amount of, um, of resources and equipment to do so. So there are challenges with proceeding um, electronically, whether by video conference or audio conference. And I think one of the challenges that this will result in is a backlog of the cases, on the civil side at least, as far as hearings and trials being postponed. That is something that the court is going to have to address once the social distancing measures are lifted and we're back to having in-person hearings. So something that lawyers and civil litigators can do in the interim then is to, as best they can, move their files forward while we're all working from home remotely, whether that's considering alternative dispute resolutions, such as arbitration or mediation, or even taking steps uh, to move proceedings forward through attending questions electronically or in ways that um, still uphold the social distancing protocols. Uh, Christy, the closure of courts except for non-essential hearings, they must affect the ability of litigators to advance claims. What should clients be aware of during this time period when it comes to expiring limitation periods? So, Chris, uh, limitation periods refer to the time frame that you have within which you have to bring a potential claim or else you're going to lose your right to bring that claim. So in Alberta, for example, you have two years from the date you knew you had a claim that warranted bringing a proceeding in order to file your claim with the court. Uh, or uh, 10 years from whenever that uh, claim arose, whichever is sooner. So whichever of those periods expires first, that's the time within which you need to file your claim. This is obviously a critical consideration uh, for clients and their counsel at any time. And uh, the time of the COVID-19 pandemic is no different. However, certain provinces have issued orders with respect to suspending limitation periods as a result of COVID-19. 
those orders do vary from province to province. And so orders that surround suspended limitation periods in Alberta, for example, aren't going to be applicable to BC or Ontario or vice versa. In Alberta, uh, the Minister of Justice has issued an order in council that suspends limitation periods under certain statutes, uh, including the Limitations Act. And so the effect of that order is that limitation periods are suspended in the province between March 17, 2020 to June 1, 2020, subject to the earlier termination of that order. So, for example, if your limitation period expires April 17, 2020, you don't have to file your claim on that date, but your limitations clock is going to start running again on June 1st. So your time to file a claim is going to be extended by the number of days between March 17th, when that order suspending limitation periods took effect, and April 17th, when your original limitation period expired. Ontario's got something similar. Uh, the government of Ontario has suspended the running of limitation periods in that province for the duration of the state of emergency, and that suspension is retroactive to March 16th, 2020. So there's a bit of a difference uh, just in that one example between Alberta and Ontario. Uh, Alberta's order is narrower than Ontario's in that it lists certain statutes that are impacted by the suspension of the limitation periods, and it's supposed to be in place until June 1, unless that order is terminated earlier. So even though um, limitation periods are suspended uh, in Alberta for a certain period of time under specific statutes, businesses may still want to consider putting in place agreements with potential counterparties to their lawsuit. And these types of agreements are recognized both in Alberta and Ontario Limitations Acts as being um, valid. So one type of agreement is known as a tolling agreement. And tolling agreements are basically agreements between the parties that they're going to put a pause button on the running of a limitation period until that tolling agreement is terminated. And that pause is not going to prejudice either party's rights. So a party can't raise a delay later to say the claim can't be brought. Uh, these agreements can be beneficial if you're running up against a limitation date and it's not financially desirable to start litigation right away. Or if, for example, parties want to be able to continue settlement discussions while preserving their right to a claim at a later point. And these types of agreements can also uh, have the effect and added benefit of adding a bit more certainty around when your limitation period actually expires. So, for example, that order suspending the limitation periods could lapse earlier than June 1 uh, by minister's order. And rather than having to monitor those types of developments from the government, a tolling agreement could actually offer the benefit of providing notice specifically to a particular uh, party that that, um, that that agreement to spend, suspend the limitation period is coming to an end. If you can't reach an agreement on uh, the tolling agreement, uh, one alternative is to file a claim but not serve it right away. So Alberta and Ontario both have provisions that will allow you uh, a time period between when you actually file your claim and when you actually have to serve it. And in Alberta, that time frame is one year. So Kelly, if businesses are interested in entering tolling agreements uh, during these times, what are some things they should consider when they are negotiating those agreements? Yeah, corporations should treat a tolling agreement like they would any other commercial contract where the terms are set out in writing and executed by a corporate representative who has some familiarity with the dispute. Specific provisions to a tolling agreement 
would include drafting it broadly enough so that it encompasses not only the tolling periods under the limitation statute, but also thinking about equitable doctrines such as acquiescence or latches, as well as deadlines under the rules of civil procedure. You'd also want to think about making tolling agreements um, producible in court in case there's any sort of dispute about the interpretation of the agreement by the parties. And so by that, I mean that it shouldn't be subject to settlement privilege or uh, confidentiality provisions necessarily. The dispute should be referenced in broad terms um, so that the agreement also doesn't in include uh, confidential or business sensitive information. You would also want to think about the fact that you want a reasonable time for terminating the agreement. And the reason for that is that once you terminate that agreement, your limitation period starts to run again. So if you're on the side of the party that is asserting a claim, you'll want to have um, some time to finalize your claim before the limitation period expires. And then finally, just as a practice tip, it's a good idea for litigators to diarize to follow up with their clients on tolling agreements once they've been entered into. It may be that the effects of this pandemic are felt for many months and reminding your clients about the tolling agreement from time to time will help keep the dispute at top of mind. Definitely a fluid situation with the courts as the legal world navigates through this pandemic. Kelly and Christy, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us on the podcast today. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. For listeners, please note that the contents of what was discussed on this podcast may have changed since our recording. Uh, but if you need more information on this topic and other COVID-19 related issues, we do invite you to visit the Denton's COVID Hub or you can contact Christy and Kelly. Their contact information is below. Make sure to click the heart button on the podcast window and follow the Denton SoundCloud podcast so you get notified every time a new podcast is uploaded. Thanks everyone for joining and make sure to stay safe and stay healthy and we'll catch you next time on our next podcast podcast.